Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. In 1995, theorizing that one could time travel within their own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. After years of attempting to bring him home, the project was abandoned until now. Quantum Leap was an experimental time travel program, years away from being tested. Why did you leap? I don't remember anything. Your name is Dr. Ben Song. You're a time traveler leaping from life to life, trying to put right what once went wrong. I'm Addison Augustine. <laughs> You're the woman I love. Richard Martinez is Leaper X. Another Leaper from the future, traveling through time just like Ben. You made a serious miscalculation coming here, Ben. You want to help Ben? You will tell him to trust no one. You say we have a mole and you know who it is. It's Ziggy. What? I'm here to help you. Not bad for a pacifist. Thanks for your help. <laughs> no! I'm a threat to my greater mission. Goodbye, Ben. <laughs> You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 135, Friendly Skies. I said medium well. That slice looks like it's about to moo on my plate. Any day now, sweetheart. Can I get another lobster, please? Fresh ashtray, ma'am. Freshen up my Rob Roy, dear. What do you mean, shut Ziggy down? Martinez works for Quantum Leap in the future. He has access to the same Ziggy we're using now. So every move we make, every word we utter is being used against us. I mean, that, that's how Martinez was able to stay one step ahead of us. If we have any hope of stopping Martinez, we have to pull the plug now. Oh, no, no, no. This could debilitate us, okay? Ziggy runs all of our probability analytics. It sorts through trillions of data points in order to help find clues to locate Ben on his leaps. And right now, we have no idea where or when he is. You found him before without Ziggy. True, but that wasn't easy. Ben is nearing his final leap. We need every single tool that we have in our arsenal. Jen, you're the head of security. What do you think? A cautious move would be to cut Ziggy off, at least for now. Jen is right. We can't take the risk. Pull the plug. Whatever it takes to shut it down. Sorry about that, folks. Hopefully this turbulence will be over real soon. Charcuterie boards? Caviar spread? Okay, I thought I was lucky to get extra corn chips on my last play. Addison. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, okay, it looks like you are Lois Mitchell uh, from Chicago. It is August 5th, 1971. Uh, you are on a flight from London to New York. One of the first in this brand new line of 747s, but no idea why you're here. Mm. Do you know the flight number? Uh, yeah. um, Transglobal Airlines, flight number 349. Mm-hmm. I don't like that face. That's a bad face. Well, the good news is we do not need Ziggy to find out why you're here. TGA Flight 349 goes down in the Atlantic tonight. Every one of these 366 passengers and crew are going to die. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. And I'm Matt Dale. And today we are discussing Season 1, Episode 17, The Friendly Skies, the penultimate episode of Season 1, one might say. And in so doing, we are also welcoming yet another special guest host to join us. Today we are joined by Mr. John Irons. John, welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you back. Uh, well, I don't know about back. We did have you back way back uh, when was the last leap year, Matt? You know the math. 
2020? Yeah. 2020. Yeah, we did um, the Leap Day special where we did the reading of my script, my my script paradox. If you guys out there haven't heard that, new listeners to the podcast, there was this other show called Quantum Leap many, many years ago. What? For which I wrote... For which I wrote a spec script when I was in college, and uh, as part of a special that we did on the last Leap Day, we did sort of like a live table read of that spec script, and John played a big part in that. So, uh, welcome back to the Quantum Leap Podcast, John. You know what? It's like I'm, um, I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been like looking, I have my face pressed against the glass of the window for a while now. Like I did that oh. show, <laughs> and and um, I did the. You know, the Quantum Leap uh, <laughs> Captain Game Show, which is my podcast, had you three guys on. That was fun. So it's, so it's, I've been, I've been main, and I've done the after show with, uh, with Albie. Right. So I've been, I've been adjacent to the main stage. <laughs> I've been QLP adjacent for, for a while now. So it's, so it's, uh, it's nice to, it's nice that you open it's the door. Safest place to be sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And shows you where my head's at or where it's not at. I completely forgot that we ran the Captain Game Show special on the feed a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So everybody listening has probably heard of John and knows all about John. But uh, for those of you who haven't, John, why don't you tell everybody um, a little bit about uh, what your podcast is about? And then maybe we can talk a bit about your Quantum Leap fandom. I have a trivia and wordplay podcast called Captain Game Show. Um that's pretty much. <laughs> uh, I change up the games every time. It's usually three rounds of of games and one round of an improv game. Um, Chris is a uh, is a regular guest on the show for many years, and um, Matt and and uh, Allison were on once during the Quantum Leap special episode that you guys ran a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, I've been doing that. I'm in season five of that show. I just started season five, wow. so coming up on two hundred episodes. Yeah, crazy, right? More episodes than the QLP, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And a lot less time. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm beholden to no one. So I- <laughs> You're not waiting for damn screeners to come out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's for sure. That's for sure. So, I mean, so how long have you been a Quantum Leap fan? Is it, It's just new with this new series, right? You never heard of it before then. I had heard of it. Um, <laughs> Back uh, when I watched it every week. Oh, that. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really, I, you know, I, I loved it from the beginning. I, I've always been a sci-fi fan, and uh, I loved that it was, um, you know, the 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 same thing everyone loves about it. The, the the human take on it that it's that it's so rooted in in hope and just like everyday people. Like it's sci-fi. But it's not, you know, on a starship or in some faraway galaxy. It's it's regular people, and and it's how uh, one person being a good person can have a ripple effect that changes the world. So, yeah, it's that's uh, that's my jam. Oh yeah, um, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're a fan from the very very beginning. You might have been a fan longer than I have if you if you've been seeing it since uh, since season one. I was late to the party. Yeah, I. I I, I will admit, uh, the later seasons I did not necessarily watch every week. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, but yeah, it was definitely uh, appointment viewing for for mm. for quite a few years. 
Um, well, we are happy to have you on the podcast. I've been waiting to have you back. I'm glad that you've uh, made um, some appearances on the after show. So um, after show mm-hmm. uh, watchers are probably familiar with you as well. So um, it's great to have you here. And another great thing about this episode of the show is our interview. This time out, Matt got us an interview with Davida Williams, who plays Leslie on this episode. And um, Matt, tell us how that came together. Uh, well, wasn't she just a delight? Um, so, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> we, we spoke to her a little bit earlier this evening. And um, that's uh, Chris, Albie, and myself. And, uh, yeah, it's... Um, it- <laughs> It unraveled in the best possible way. We talked about, I mean, we talked about Quantum Leap for sure, but uh, there's there's a lot more to that interview as well that that came out of left field. So yes, I'm I'm excited to to have that one on the show. So stay tuned for that later on in the program. And we have so much to talk about before that. So I want to jump right in. I want to get everybody's initial impressions of this second to last episode of the season. Why don't we start with you, John? Um, not surprising. I like the episode. I guess not surprising because I, I typically like the episodes. The, the last, um, I, th- I don't think I've really had a problem with an episode since, you know, the initial, like the first few. And even then my problems weren't like just dislike. It was okay. Well, that doesn't like, this isn't for me. But my, my consistent problem with the show is just that the control room is too dark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But that's not what you asked me. As far as this episode in particular, um, I enjoyed it. I like I liked um, Ben's uh, struggling with 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 uh, you know with with what made him with what makes him Ben. You know, he is always the optimist. He is always the people can work together. He is always to see the best in people. And uh, no spoilers, but having been betrayed. In the last episode, he was really struggling with that, and I and I appreciated that they took the time to follow through with that. Well, it's, it's just let me, let me stop you right there, sir. Spoil away. Um, everybody listening to this podcast knows that <laughs> we're all going under the assumption that you've seen every episode up until now. So. You know what? I have I have a second question about the uh, the protocol here. Uh, how uh-huh. vulgar can I be? <laughs> <laughs> We have, you know what, we, we've gone PG-13 because ever since it was basically, it was, I don't know if it was a gag or if they were going to do it, but it sure sounded for a while there like Ben was going to say, oh shit, instead of oh boy. Mm-hmm. So we've basically stopped leaping shit from the podcast, but we still try to keep it family sure, friendly. gotcha. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> what family do you come from this shit's fine? Well, no, no, I mean, I, I, I have... Yeah. It sounds like a lot like Captain Game Show, basically. I will, I will bleep out the F word, yeah. but anything else is pretty much fair game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, all right, Matt. I really want to know what you think about this episode. I was very wary going into this one, right? Because the, the last episode was big, arc-heavy stuff. We know the season finale is going to be big, arc-heavy stuff because it's the season finale. And and this was obviously from the description going to be a break and a return to the norm of just just a regular leap. Um, and I I did not know how they were going to manage to pull that off without just spending forty two minutes clock watching and saying, "Come on, get on with it. We just want to get to next week." And they did it by just 
not letting up and and packing 90 minutes of adventure into 42 minutes um it, the, yes i loved it um i was not expecting to i thought it was going to be yeah a, a bit of a just just move on but uh yeah so much so much excitement so much tension and so much comedy that i wasn't expecting as well so yeah great episode looking forward to talking about it wow um i feel like that that's half of my response but um i i don't know that i was expecting a return to form for this episode because like you said matt with with Everything that happened last week, how arc heavy it was, how lore heavy it was, it just ratcheted everything way the hell up to come back <laughs> to what is basically a standard leap, you know, mm. in as far as there's a standard leap was very frustrating to me. Um, I, I thought that we were going to get a little bit more momentum about the, the arc stuff, about the lore stuff. And, um, because we didn't, I found myself saying, well, well, well wait a minute. When's, when, when are we going to get that? Yes. When are we going to get that? And we never got that. And I mean, I guess there's a reason for that. Uh, it was built into the last episode. We can, you know, talk about that as we discuss. But so that's a Chris problem. That's a me problem. On top of that, I thought that this was uh, like a fantastic episode. Good leap, good plot, good characters, good action. Like all of that really stood up. It just seemed to be in the wrong, the wrong place for me. It, it seemed like, you know? Yeah. I, I don't, I'm going to correct you. I don't think that's, that's a Chris problem. I think the, the, production team specifically decided to ramp it up and have a classic um, penultimate episode last week and then run the series finale next week. It is it is a really odd way of doing it. And as I say, I went in there kind of expecting that to be the case, which is why maybe I'm giving it a, a bit more of a pass than you. Um, mm. But it, it is an unusual structure for a season to, to build up and build up and then pull back and then go for the finale right right and the other thing that um sort of there are two sides to this coin of of my feelings so i realized that okay maybe it's not what i was expecting but it was good Mm. and i enjoyed it but damn it there are some things that happen in this episode that i have a lot of problems with and i want to really discuss some of that stuff with you nothing to do with the leap per se but just the logistics and how does this freaking project work? So, um, <laughs> I, I want to get topic. into all that, that <laughs> good geeky stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, I, where do you guys want to start first? You just want to talk about the episode in general before we do the deep dive? How, how, how do you feel? Um, yeah, should we, should we talk about the, um, just the, the general, the, the hijack theme? Cause that was, that was fun and that's not something that, that we've seen before. Um, it, it's it's rare we see a quantum leap that isn't just set in a place on the ground as well. It's only the second time we've had an airborne episode. Yeah, um, and this was um, much more ambitious mm. for an airborne episode. Yes. Well, well, you, we got to think about the um, the pilot too, right? So, did you say second time or third I, time? Uh, second time. I was just thinking ghost ship. Yeah, me too. So, but you also got to think maybe the X one, oh. right? You got to think Genesis. Well, yeah, but that had a physical location on the ground that they were. That that feels like that was located at an air force base. This one and Ghost Ship weren't really located saying. anywhere. Mm-hmm. Understood. Understood. Uh, that is semantics, but. <laughs> well, that's what you're all about. That's why you wrote the book. <laughs> yes, good good book content, not good podcast content. So move move me on. 
So if we're going to go with that, I mean, this tackled some some pretty classic sort of quantum leap themes. Yeah. In this case, good old fashioned sexism from the seventies. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was so glad to see some of that because that's right. What one of the things that this season has done really well um, is leap Ben into a lot of women, um, which the original series only ever did for special episodes a couple of times a season. It's been great to see the balance a lot more redressed, but it's rare that we see any of the rampant sexism that would have been the case um, in the various places he's been. It, it's, it's happened here and there. But um, yes, the the stuff with uh, the dodgy captain uh, was just, just great. Brilliant yeah. moments. Ag- agreed. Agreed. The casual and universal sexism. That yes. <laughs> it was just, it was just part of the job. Um, that, that was very well represented, I think. Hmm. Yeah. And, um, this was one of the few, hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'll stand by that. This is one of the few episodes of the new series where I felt like we were in a specific time and place. Hmm. And, it's funny. I was reading a book. I think it was by Connie Willis. Uh, it was probably Blackout or All Clear. It was about time travelers going back to World War II. And um, everybody in that book kind of making fun of the fact that everybody who comes from a time later than, say, a certain time period always romanticizes the travel in that time period. Mm-hmm. So like in that book, oh, we're traveling by rail and it's just bucolic countryside and it's so great. And then they're like at like a path station or a, a tube station in modern times saying there's probably a time traveler here thinking that everything is so impossibly quaint. And they were sort of fetishizing the sort of golden era, golden era of air travel here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had that, that giant jumbo jet that had not only, you know, good food and free drinks, but two floors and lounges and mm. bars and, and steak. Like, like, <laughs> right? A nice, a nice rib roast, right? A nice rare rib roast. I mean, I, I, I know that, um, I've missed that by about 10 years. I started flying in the late 80s. And uh, it was nothing like that. You would still get a meal and everything, but it was on a little tray, yeah. you know, on your seat back. And it came out of a microwave and it was like half cold and half burnt. And I still look back on that and thinking, remember when we got that great stuff? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this was this was a real trip. And I enjoyed watching those aspects of it. And the color schemes, too, just screamed 70s somehow. I don't know if it was the oranges or yeah. the reds, but it, it honestly it made me think of Allison. It really did because <laughs> she has a very specific idea of what the seventies looked like, and I think this really nails it. <laughs> yeah, it, it is the no. what you think of, or at least what I think of as a as, a, as the uh, stewardess. What was then called the stewardess uh, uniform? I feel like they nailed it. Mm. Yeah. Um, now I really liked the way that they kept this all as like sort of subtext, though. Because I think if it was just an episode lampooning that time, that era, it would have gotten old fast as just a straight comedy yeah. episode. So I think it was, it was, it was masterfully put in there saying, yeah, this was all here. And yeah, there are some comedic elements to be mined from this, but it's not about mm. that. It, it's really about this hijacking. And that's another thing that I think about, um, some of the few news stories that stood out to me as a kid in the seventies were stories about hijackings. So I feel like that's a very 70s sort of plot. Yeah. Maybe that's just my my bias. I don't know, guys. 
Well, one thing just in terms of that 70s theme, no one's smoking on that plane. Oh, but they are. Are they? Were they? Yeah. She came over and she asked for, hey, do you have a light? Do you have a match? Mm. She's like, yeah, of course. Or we didn't actually been. see any, though, did we? I've only seen no. the episode the once. But... No, I don't, I don't think we actually No, no, nobody smoke. was actually smoking. I, think, I think you're right yeah. for that. But yeah, I think it's another thing to to jar you out of uh, your own complacency and to realize, you know, there were smoking sections on planes, which I mean, I'm going to sound like Seinfeld here, but it's a tube. (laughs) Where does the smoke go? (laughs) So I I remember getting on planes. There was no smoking, but there were still ashtrays Mm. in in the seat arms next to me. So. Yeah. Um, going going back to just just to echo what you said a minute ago, Chris. Um, the sexism wasn't the point of the episode. Like it, that wasn't you know yeah. that wasn't his mission. Um, I I like that he didn't. You know, he never made any speeches about it. You know, he didn't like you know you're not really like no because you wouldn't he couldn't like that like I it would have and and this is all in 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 agreeing with your point. It would have been cheesy and out of place um if if he had made a you know a speech about women's rights in this episode yeah yeah i mean i guess it's i guess it's tough to do right because you want to acknowledge the reality of the situation when you set these things in specific eras and specific periods right but at the same time, it's like, how do you walk the line about not making it all about that? And I feel like they really, like I said before, struck the balance mm-hmm. here because it was just, it was just the backdrop of, 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 of where he was. It, it, it was, it wasn't like spotlighted, but it wasn't ignored either. It wasn't papered right. over. So yeah, I, I like that. And I think that, you know, that's, that's something that quantum leap tried to do in the original series i think they're doing a little a little bit better here because this this show is not quite as issues driven as the first one was so if sam was confronting something like sexism you know that that would have been the spotlight of the episode it wouldn't have just been a quaint aside like think about um what what price gloria yes that was all about sexism in the workplace and that that was the reason they wrote that episode i I wonder how much of that is because that show was maybe trying to change minds. That show was like, here's the problem. This is wrong. Here's where we stand on it. Um, and at this point, it's more presumed <laughs> that, you know, the vast majority thinks that sexism is bad. The vast majority thinks racism is bad. So they can just show that behavior and assume that the audience is with them. And they don't yes. have to, you know, convince anybody. Um, that the the sexist captain is a jerk for being a sexist captain. He yeah, just does you, it, mm. and everyone knows. You put what I was thinking far more eloquently than I was going to. Um, but yeah, I, I'm right with you. And I think the there's a couple of looks that uh, Caitlin and Raymond give that are just they're just enough. They just they just look eye roll. That's it. There's no no need to spend more time on it. And there is there is a little bit of addressing it directly when Ben is talking to Leslie when she's asking for that match and he's saying that that guy's handprint is on on my skirt. Yes, and you know yeah. they, they have a little they have a shared mm. moment there of empathy. So again, they 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 did bring it up, but um, I okay. So they throttled back a little bit on the heavy handedness of of the of 
the sexism message, but Matt, you must have been in heaven here because <laughs> did you count how many freaking red herrings they threw at us at the beginning of this script? <laughs> I mean, it, that is quantum leap all the way down, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh, yeah. It, it was it was good. I mean, it it wasn't the the typical quantum leap um, mystery with only one suspect. Uh, There's definitely that <laughs> they didn't get in that route. They even put them up on the board, like at the. <laughs> They had a quantum leap HQ. They had like the list of suspects on the on the yes. digital whiteboard. Yeah. First it was the weather. Yeah. And then it was then it was uh what pilot suicide I yeah. think they said. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then they you can hear Al rattling all those things off like every couple of minutes. No, 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 it's, it's something else. It's something else. So yeah, but, and then they thought it was the IRA. They thought it was the one stewardess. Then it turns out to be the cop. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, that was to me that I had a chuckle about that because I was thinking, wow, this is going to make some some entry in beyond the mirror image, <laughs> you know? Yes. So, oh yeah, so much data, but uh, <laughs> so much data, so much data. So, but I have some some issues now. We're going to stick to the leap part of this. Then then help me follow some of this logic here because I'm trying to figure out. Okay, they knew that the plane was going to crash. The last um, message they got from it was at 10.08, everybody giving the all clear, everything's fine. And then the hijacking happens, right? Mm-hmm. And, okay, so you have to assume that the plane went down. I They, they never told you why, but Ben – okay, this is where I have an issue. Ben being there, of course, somehow changes history, right? Yeah. So – the very fact that he was in the plane um, with agency acting like the other stewardess probably didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lois was the leap aid. Um, he had that that idea to bring the water yeah. to um, to the different areas of the cabin, and that's where he got Chekhov's quaaludes <laughs> and uh, you know got that guy out. So so that was good. That was convenient. I, that was a good. That was a good switch up. I really thought that he had drugged the water yes. in the whole nine yards. That was yeah. That, that was very good. Was, that was good. Well done. Yeah, but um, then he goes into the first class section now. He is again as Ben doing something that presumably Lois didn't do, yeah. which is bring that cart into. I know where you're the going here because this is exactly where right. I went as well. So, right. So the guy gets up. The, the the jerk from the beginning with the stake gets up and rams the cart into the hijacker. Mm-hmm. The hijacker shoots. It hits the uh, fuselage yeah. and it breaks uh, the hydraulic system, so that the plane now is going to crash regardless yeah. because they don't have hydraulics. Yes. So. What happened in the original history to make the plane crash? Like if, 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 or if Ben is there and he causes the plane to crash, then why did he leap there at all? And well, I, I can help me figure I can, this out. I can head cannon, I can head cannon this for you. Um, the guy, uh, was like, he see, he sees the cart, he views it as an opportunity. Um, he rushes the guy, guy shoots a hole in the, like, messes up the hydraulics. That could easily have happened if the guy was just standing next to him with his back turned. Yeah. There, there, was, yeah. there was no cart yeah. involved, but he's like, oh, this is my moment. I can take the plane. Shots goes off. because the Presumably the plane crashed because of the hydraulics. So as long as some event occurred that um, damaged – and the bullets work – damaged the hydraulics, um, the original timeline comes to pass. 
And we know that Ben wasn't 100% ca- the cause of uh, that situation. That's that. That was I. I had similar headcanon, but it, as I, I guess it did for you guys. It took me out of the drama for a moment, thinking, "Hang on, what?" And having to rationalise it in my head, admittedly only for a few seconds, all of which could have been avoided if they'd have just had the the state guy rushing the um the the shooter completely independently of what Ben yeah. was doing. Um, they they wrote it out like that so that everything connected. They could have just not connected it, and then we wouldn't have had that problem, minor though it is, but it, it was a minor problem that, yeah, it took me out of the drama for a moment while I tried to figure it out, and the alternative would have been some exposition explaining why it, that originally happened, but that would have been probably even worse. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the only sort of wrinkle. It, mm. it just struck me as paradoxical, almost. Yeah. You know, so it was just like, is he? Is is? It's like a chicken or egg thing. Like it happened with him, it happened without him. Like, did he cause it? What was the plane always going to go down because he had leapt to it? Like, so, and I guess that that kind of breaks the rules of the show. There's always an original history. Well, so the to be go down. fair, though, Chris, we are building. I I don't want to skip ahead to next week too much, but we are building up to. A whole episode that's bound to circle around the fact that the entire timeline that the project team are in is a timeline that's there because of what's going to happen in the final episode going back and starting that original timeline that we've been seeing all along. So we're going to have to get used to something paradoxical. I don't think the shooting a hole in an airplane is going to be the worst thing that happens in terms of paradoxes <laughs> at the end of this season. So you're telling me they were, they were getting me ready. They I, were that's, that's what I think. Down, right? I think they're just they're, a little they're one. softening us up for a big-ass paradox, which yeah, it, it's fine. Whatever. I've been ready for that all season. But They're inoculating you with just a little bit of uh, consistency. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Build up a tolerance. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, but that was the only thing that that took me out yeah. a little bit. Other than that, I really enjoyed um, that aspect of, of the action and all that, mm-hmm. and Ben trying to make a difference. And um, I was glad I was able to watch it twice before we got on mic, just to give people context. I mean, we were waiting again on the screener. This one dropped before Monday, thank goodness, but it dropped like about two hours ago, maybe three hours yeah. ago. So we literally watched it, watched it again, did our interview with Davida, and then got on mic to talk about the show. So, um, if it seems like, um, you know, we're maybe glossing over some stuff or whatever, it's still so, so fresh in our heads. Yeah. So when you're, you know, watching it after your fourth viewing three years from now, <laughs> be, be kind to us. Yeah. <laughs> it's all very new. Our heads are spinning here. So one thing that I really liked about this episode is, um, we had some moments that returned to territory that was some of the best stuff that I liked in fellow travelers where it, Ben was effectively pep talking himself at times mm-hmm. and all, all that stuff about like, Oh, learn to trust yourself and learn to trust the people around you and all, all that kind of stuff. It, it was obviously that kind of, th- this is exactly what's going on between me and Addison right now. I'm talking to the people around me, but actually I'm helping myself. Um, and I, I, I like those moments. Um, we've, yeah, we've had it a couple of times in this series and it was nice to see a return to that. Oh, that's that's a question I have about this ep. Actually, mm-hmm. um, Ben's crisis of trust. Mm-hmm. Now I understand that he's a little bit 
shell-shocked from what just happened with Martinez. And I, 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 okay, I get it. But, like, did he trust Martinez to begin with? Like, did he believe that Martinez wasn't going to betray him somehow? Like, why would this lead to him being so completely, I don't want to say broken, but as close to broken as we've seen Ben, like, just yeah. so seriously not well, being Ben, not, not. Because it literally just happened. And he was closer to death than I think he's been in any other leap. Like, he was, he was dying. He was mm. stabbed in, he was stabbed in the jugular and he had to fight for his life. So I, I think, you know, it wasn't just a betrayal. It was, he was, a, he was basically, yeah. you know, it was, he was almost murdered because he trusted the wrong person. And that, and that for him was, you know, two minutes ago. It would have been nice in the last episode. At the time, it didn't make any difference, but knowing what they were setting up for this, if Ben's trusting of Martinez and certainly Addison's trusting of Martinez seemed very much to be a reluctant trust. It was a tactical trust. Mm -hmm. It would have been nice to have Ben just have a line saying, I can't write a script, this is going to sound shit, but just to say, hey, this this Martinez guy, maybe he's all right, actually. Um, But there was none of that last week. It, it It was very much, we're trusting him because we have to trust him. I like that I, because it, it would have seemed naive if if they were like he's all right. I think it, it it would have been, and it would have had to have been written in a much better way than I just put it in a much more subtler <laughs> way. Um, but without I like, that, it doesn't really make sense to Chris's point of why he feels like he's been betrayed because he hasn't. He knew Martinez was using yeah, him and they were using Martinez, so it's not me, a betrayal. For me, it read more like. When you know something's a bad idea, but you do it anyway, <laughs> and then you and then you kick yourself harder because you knew it. Like he didn't. He he basically didn't have a choice. Like he had to do it. But it it was it was less that. about trusting Martinez and more about trusting his own instincts. Yes, I, I, I feel like that's I, like I feel that. like that's that's what this was. He he. It's it's not that he was surprised that Martinez betrayed him. It was that he questioned whether or not he could trust his instincts. Because he made such a wrong call. I mean, again, not the wrong call, but, you know, because yes. it backfired so so horribly. Which, again, then goes yeah. back to all the pep talking about trusting your own instincts. Mm, right. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I get, it fits narratively. I guess maybe I'm seeing too much of a bigger picture here. So, like, Ben is not privy to everything that we've learned. For example... Um, Janice last week filling the whole project in, but nobody fills Ben in <laughs> with the fact that actually Martinez isn't evil or an evil leaper. His leaps work the same as Ben's. He has to change something for the better so that he can leap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the fact that, you know, he's trying to stop Ben is for some greater good, right? We've discussed this before, but Ben doesn't know that. Ben just knows that Martinez wants to kill Addison. Martinez just tried to kill him. And this is the other point where I say it's a Chris problem, like, oh, why didn't they follow up with that in a more substantive way? In this episode, why did we go back to, like, a standard leap? And a big part of the last episode was the fact that this was the last time that Ben Martinez went across paths. It was the last time they had to try to stop him or for Martinez to try to stop Ben. So it makes sense in universe too that he would just be on a more standard type of leap. I just thought that they were going to pick up on some of those threads and I don't know, use them somehow to, to advance the lore part of this story. 
as opposed to just going back to such a, a classic feeling leap and almost forgetting about it except for that little bit with Ben, which for us is just like, well, why is he so – well, duh. Of course Martinez. He's, he's, that's been the whole crux of the series. But seeing it from Ben's point of view, John, I think that's a good, a good point. He, he's not privy to everything we're privy to. So I wasn't I wouldn't I wouldn't call it just a Chris problem for the record, for the record. <laughs> Although I will say it didn't really bother me in this episode. Um because you know I, I you know that that's just kind of how I always watch Quantum Leap. It's always the first thing. Like the 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 narrative arc going through them is still new to me. So I wasn't necessarily expecting a direct tie to the last episode. But since you mentioned it, you're absolutely right. Like it, it didn't bother me, but I did think, okay, like, so they come into this episode, uh, we got to shut down Ziggy. Um, oh, we're going to talk about that. So Ziggy, Ziggy's the mole. Ziggy's the mole. We got to shut down Ziggy. Uh, so do we shut him down? Yes, we shut him down. And then they go, you know, without Ziggy. I, all we saw, we the audience, and I don't know if the people in the project got more than we did from Janice, but all we saw was J- J- Ziggy's the mole. I'm going to need some – can you elaborate on that? Like, what, does that <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? And why isn't Janice there in this episode? Because they're discussing it. Yeah, why yeah. was she not there to provide further context? That is a tremendous amount of trust for the um, – yeah, Yes. The, yes. yes. Just because she threw Magic's phone on the ground. That's there we go. And it's not I don't I don't necessarily not believe her. <laughs> That's why she's not there, because they don't have the budget to get her. <laughs> that was the final straw. <laughs> I mean it's it's like at at this point I feel like that was the big thing she was holding back. So at this point she needs to just spill. And may mm-hmm. and I'm guessing that'll happen next episode, but and like I said, it didn't bother me when I was watching this episode because as you said, Matt, like they just kind of slammed everything back to back, and I really didn't have time mm. to 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 dwell on it. Um, mm. but you know, a couple hours after watching, I was sitting on it, I'm discussing it now. It would, it might have been nice for at least just a brief conversation during the initial. We need to shut Ziggy down, even for her to say, "I've told you probably more than I could." And actually, I guess they couldn't discuss it in the project because Ziggy can listen in the project. But once they decide to shut, I don't know. It the rules, I guess, on what Ziggy can see and hear is maybe fuzzy to me. Yeah, to all of us, it's exactly what the, what yeah, it's exactly what the plot demands at the moment. Yeah. You know, and um, I, I just yeah, we have to get into this because if I have genuine issues with this episode, it has nothing to do with the leap. It has to do with the whole Ziggy yeah. thing. How in the hell does the project work without Ziggy? I mean, from, from, from top to bottom, Ziggy is the central component that makes Quantum Leap Quantum Leap. Anyway, Sam's Quantum Leap uh, project hinged completely on Ziggy. So how can you shut down Ziggy yet still track Ben? And I know that Magic said we did it before. Was he alluding to the, to the time when, when Janice, like, you know, uh, took over, took over the system. Like, where did we see this before in this season that they were working with Ziggy offline? I'm trying to read. Was it like maybe the first or second episode? 
they didn't get Ziggy online until I, I think there's been a couple yeah. times where it took Ziggy a minute to catch up. Yes, so, it, where they where they they lost they effectively lost Ben, and it took them a while to find him in time. Um, I'm sure some listeners will come in with specific <laughs> with with specific dates, uh, but I think I think yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's nitpicking. That's me trying to put this in universe for the new project, for the new build, which I completely accept is different than Sam's build, has different parameters and, and different operating systems. It's a whole new OS. I get that. But when you remove Ziggy from the equation, how then does the imaging chamber work if Ziggy is not there to connect to Ben in the future? They even say, how come the hand link is working? Oh, because plot. Yeah, yeah. Which they say, oh, no, it actually has to do with this separate power source. It's like Picard with the freaking holodeck running when the ship has 3% power. Well, it's got its own battery because people might want to drink themselves to mm-hmm. death as the ship is getting pummeled or something. I mean, it, it, it's just because show yeah. is really – and that's the biggest problem I had with this because if the hand link doesn't link to Ziggy, then what is it for? What does it link to? So to take Ziggy offline is – fundamentally to cripple the project but we can't have that for story purposes and this gets back to what i said last week i love the fact that they're making ziggy the mole convince me it's not dumb yeah um i'm not convinced yeah because but they've not they've not done anything with it yet and i'm right with you um they they teased us with something at the end of last episode which has not been played out yet all they've done is and again this goes back to the the weird order this is playing out in all they've done is said, right, let's put a pin on that until uh, a pin in that until next week, and and presumably, hopefully, we'll deal with it next week. But uh, we it, nothing nothing happened with the Ziggy Mole thing. We don't understand what does that mean. How is Ziggy Mole? And yeah, to your point, Chris, what what is Ziggy doing in this project? Um, we we keep saying new build, and I'm quite comfortable with that as as head canon. I guess in this new build. Um, it's not like Ziggy was in the original series and is responsible for everything. This Ziggy is basically just an AI that it kind of figures out the likelihood of scenarios and all that stuff, but isn't actually anything to do with the mechanics of time travel or the imaging chamber working. But I'm trying to think back in the first episode, didn't they establish that with the, with Ziggy offline, they couldn't get the imaging chamber online? I'm sure there was a line about that. They they were having they were having glitches. Yeah, yeah I remember. Um, but, uh, that's when we saw the imaging chamber for the first and only time in the season without without the hologram surrounding. But may- it because they had the they had like the hex- hexagonal wall. Maybe after that they figured so, out how to run because of that happening. They figured out how to run the imaging Ian chamber. Ian ran a patch. But it, it does seem like Ziggy is not a vital piece of the project in that sense anymore. Ian ran a patch that allows the. Uh, you know, the, the hand link to work and the multiple holograms to exist. How'd you do that? Oh, I did a thing. Good enough. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain later. Yeah. Uh, I can start to explain. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I don't have time for that right now. Which, I mean, fine. <laughs> they, they acknowledge it, I guess. Which is. But see, but I, I feel that the, the, this is the only. Hmm. This aspect of it is the only thing that gave me like pause on the leap part of the story because um, let's just think back to the X1 when Al's like, I can show you how to fly it, but even with my help, you can't land this. 
So even an experienced pilot that is used to crash landing basically on the deck of an aircraft carrier can't talk Sam down in experimental, you know, smaller plane. Yet we have Ian popping in, and we'll talk about that too because I actually really loved that part of the episode. But we have Ian popping in, and they sit down, and they bring out the old school hand link. Um, oh, that was nice to see that. A projector, yeah. right, as almost to make it like a flight simulation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then Ian proceeds to talk Ben through the landing procedure. So throttle back here. Hit this switch. Okay. From what we can tell, Ian isn't a pilot. They say that they watch an air disaster show to fall asleep at night. So, so we got that, I guess. And there is no Ziggy to tell Ian what to tell Ben. So how in God's green earth and uh, – what? How? What? <laughs> I mean, that would be like me sitting down next to Ben saying, okay, well, here, I put this this this, this flight simulator up. I don't know how to fly, but hit that lever. Hit that button. I, oh, you brought it down safely. What? I'm going to yeah, share a personal experience with you because um, I was wondering if this was going to come up. Um, a couple of years ago, I was fortunate enough um, to uh, go to a flight school for um, the pilots that actually fly these proper jumbo jets, and uh, they have simulators that are completely realistic, so realistic I wasn't allowed to take photos while I was in there because of like high security reasons and shit. Um, and... That's effectively the instructions I was given. It was like, right, okay, most of these don't matter apart. Most of these buttons don't matter while you're in flight. Here's a couple of buttons to press while you're on the way down. Here's a couple of levers to pull. Uh, just follow the instructions that are happening in front of you on the screen. And I, I crashed the first time, but I, <laughs> but I did successfully land a computer the second time around. And I think, if if I weren't just like being, this is all a bit weird. It's all a bit weird in a simulation. I think if it was if it was real and I was taking it more seriously, I could have badly landed like Ben did the first time. Yeah, it's I I, I do think landing a jet like that is easier than landing an experimental plane at Mach three. Uh, all right, all right. Listen, you have real world experience that contradicts my problem, so I'm gonna have to. Go with you I mean, on this, they, they gave it a very bumpy landing, quite rightly, and I wouldn't say I landed it well, but it was, um, yeah. I did go to space camp when I was a child, uh, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure sh- I was did. a mission specialist <laughs> one, so I'm pretty sure I could do uh, uh, an EVA repair, if, if needed, <laughs> <laughs> if called upon. My, so, <laughs> I have less of an issue... And I don't have no issue, but I have less of an issue with uh, Ian talking Ben uh, through the landing. And more that this is a top secret government facility. How do you not have someone more experienced than Ian? (laughs) Yes. To talk Ben through the landing. (laughs) Surely there's a pilot. (laughs) Surely there's a pilot there. It's great that they're starting to bring more specialists in and we don't have the Al knows everything trope. Um, but, I, but the fact that they're that. only making use of the main cast and not the dozens of people. I want wheelchair guy to come in and do something. Where's wheelchair guy in all this? He just keeps wheeling himself around in the background. It would almost make more sense if they did. Okay. Well, we know we have a mole. 
it, you know, there's dozens of people in this facility. Okay, from this point on, it's just the core group. Um, yeah. Everybody else works outside of this room and, you know, they keep the servers running or whatever they need to do. But the only people in the circle of trust, the only people in this room, the only people actively um, affecting Ben's leap are the, the four of us. Yeah. And then it makes sense that, well, we have to call JNN for this. Yeah, we have to call ENN for this. But otherwise, it doesn't make sense that you don't have every expert on the planet <laughs> yes. to call in anytime Ben needs a thing. You know, and 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 yeah, and yeah I, like you know, Caitlin can walk him through. Here's boxing, or here's like, you know, uh, first aid. But if you need something as specific as I need a pilot in this moment, yes. why would you not get a pilot in that moment? Yeah, or even magic. I mean, magic was a Navy SEAL. I guess that doesn't make him a Navy pilot, but I, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, somebody with some more bearing or some kind of more tech. Well, Ian has a technical background. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I know why they, they brought Ian into the cockpit. And I love Ian. And I don't that have was actually, a problem yeah, it, with them being there. I, it's just, yeah. I can't, it is, it is a tough pill to swallow that they were the most experienced person for that yeah. task at that time available. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I can, I can almost forgive it, because the second that Ian and Ben reconnected, oh, the chemistry, yes, was great. Oh my goodness, were they great together? Like old friends, that was great. Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> like Ben, you know, they they're always saying that they're best friends, mm-hmm. and it literally was. Like Ben looks over his shoulder, oh you. You know, and then they start giving each other shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I like, I like the I five mean, bucks that, thing yeah. to the callback to, yes. if he remembers me, I get five bucks. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just the, the easy familiarity that they had and um, the fact that they felt like friends. I felt a real connection uh, between Ben and Ian here. So, the fact that, do I have doubts? I'm a little bit dubious about Ian talking Ben down. Well, less so now because Matt just schooled me. <laughs> and uh, apparently, John's been on EVAs, yes. which is good. This is specialist number uh, one. <laughs> I believe I have um, a certificate somewhere. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. But I'm willing to forgive all of that because I just love the final scenes with the two of them working together. Yeah. I also like that. Also like that he leaped immediately, as soon as the plane landed, and I, I, I just personally like that. Job is done. Yeah, he's out. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because they they did the whole uh, wrap up again in the control room, which they've done now. I could maybe this is like the third time we're seeing mm-hmm. it, and Jen makes um a comment to the effect of, "Boy, I bet Lois was confused about going to the White House." Like so, it, again, brings up what what do the leapers remember? The leapies mm. remember when they come back, and I, I was thinking about that as well because we've established in this series that um, when Ben leaves, the imaging chamber does not go offline. So we see Ian sitting there, sort of staring forlornly where Ben was supposedly, but probably staring at a very confused Copas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I believe that. Uh, Allison pointed that pointed that out the first time when we saw Addison lingering on the space shuttle, 
and she's just looking where Ben leapt. And but the fact of the matter is, is she's just staring at this stranger who's an astronaut. <laughs> so, I mean, it makes sense dramatically, but when you think in universe, <laughs> well, but but you know that that still works. Like if you were looking at your friend and then your friend leaps out and then you see this stranger, you, you know, I would you, you stare for a minute like, ah, oh, damn it, he was right there, he's right in front of me. Now he's gone. I, I get that's that still works. Mm. It's good that they don't show that to the audience. <laughs> but yeah. I, 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 <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. I, I, I can get with it. So here's uh, the last bit of logic that I'm trying to parse. So they're in the control room and Ben has left, but Ian can't get a fix on Ben. They, they can't find Ben. Is that because Ziggy is offline? Or is that because they cannot track Ben because he's leapt into the future? Do you guys have thoughts on this? If Ziggy were online, do you think that they would have made a, been able to find Ben? I think with Ziggy offline, they cannot find Ben. With Ziggy online, they could probably find Ben. Because Ziggy's whole thing is predicting outcomes and timelines, which is effectively mm-hmm. predicting the future. So... With no Ziggy, they can't see the future. They can look up historical records right, I, but as as they have. Yeah. But they they can't see ahead. So okay. I I felt that what the production team was trying to tell us and what the writers were trying to tell us was that it was because um uh because he was in the future. That that was the sense that I got that he's no longer in the past, he's in the future, therefore he's vanished. But we know from Mirror Image that uh Ziggy's capable of uh, Ziggy tries to track Sam for every birthday to the end of the twenty first century. So clearly Ziggy can see into the future. So I'm absolutely with John technically that it's if Ziggy were online, she'd be able to find him. But I I don't know. I just got a feeling that that wasn't the case, and it was, it was the I, whole the fact that he was in the future. I just had a thought, just as you were speaking. Um, it is possible, or or maybe third related option. They can't find Ben because Ziggy in the future is destroyed. Maybe there needs to be a functional Ziggy in the timeline that. As Ben is leaping. Does that make sense? So, am I, am I, you see what I'm oh, saying? Like, if, yeah. if, if Ziggy were, yeah. if Ziggy were there, if Ziggy were there in the future where he leapt into, it, they could it, use it, Ziggy to find Ben. It makes perfect sense, and it brings me on to the thing that I, I'm really hoping somebody does a mashup of the end of this episode where Scott Bakula walks through the rubble. Um, but it's not Scott Bakula playing Sam. It's Scott Bakula at the end of the Enterprise season one finale. <laughs> because that's exactly what John's just described. And it would have looked perfect. I was half expecting uh, when when we saw the, the figure behind Ben, like not half expecting, but a little, a, a little spark of hope that they just <laughs> kept this super big secret. And it was in fact, Scott Bakula. Yeah. In the, in the what I was thinking future. now, I did not count on it being nuclear winter. What I was thinking 
was that Ben would come out and the snow is falling and we don't know, maybe it's atomic fallout. I don't know, maybe it's ashes instead of snow. But he says, snow in L.A. And I'm thinking, you're not in L.A. You're in New Mexico. Mm. <laughs> and I thought that maybe he had leapt into the original project, but no. No. I mean, out comes Ian. The older Ian mm. from uh, – the uh, let them play episode, I guess the the sketch, yes, the sketchy, sketchy Ian. Ian. yeah. So Ian. I mean, I we we have to talk about that. W- what did you guys think about that twist? Because we had been speculating for you know this entire season. What is this future looking like? And Matt, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that it was Allison who first you know, stated that she thinks it's like world ending, not just an Addison thing, but like a Holocaust thing. And, yes. It, um, yeah, it was Allison. And yeah. then we, we've run with that. And um, we've, we've, we've all spoken, I think about, yeah, maybe Martinez is going to kill Addison in the future uh, as a way of preventing this awful future. And it, it becomes an either or thing that to, M- Martinez is attempting to avert this terrible timeline. It was right. it, it was it almost felt very familiar. We've been talking about that kind of apocalyptic future for so long that when he walked out of it, like, oh yeah, that's 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 what yeah. happened. <laughs> me too. I was like, did the podcast ruin that moment for me? <laughs> <laughs> was I too primed? <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and one and another example of me being uh, QRP adjacent. Uh, I, I've written in a few times, and that was one of the theories that I had as well. Mm. So I, I think we all, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's the thing that makes sense. And they've alluded to it closely enough that, you know, it, it's a lesser of two evils kind of thing. And I guess that's, I guess that's the answer. It, it is, there will be a nuclear war or at least mm. some nuclear explosions um, in very populated areas. You know, But now we're going to go into the yeah. season finale with Ben stuck in a future where the time machine does not exist. Hence, Enterprise That's Season 1 finale. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, that, that's what the writers had in mind. <laughs> but uh, I'm just trying to figure out. So now that Ben is there. I'm sorry, was I, was, did, I, did I receive a screener for Enterprise Season 1? Because I, I feel... <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get the memo. No, we do we do deep uh, deep Star Trek cuts on this on this podcast well, all the time, John. You well, know if it <laughs> if it establishes my cred at all, when he did the uh, the fake out with how he's going to knock the thing, I, I I can't remember was that was that TNG or DS Nine? No, it was it was I think it was D Space Nine where they had to break Quark out of prison or something, and. Uh, they send in a cake and I was like, Oh, what's, what's in this cake? It's like, Oh, is there a key in this cake? And while he's inspecting the cake, they just hypo him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I have no memory of that. It happened. I'll take it your happened. word. It happened. It happened. Pictures sure it didn't happen. <laughs> so yeah, cool ending so. though. And uh, who knows what next week's going to look like. Yeah, I mean, the fact that, see, I thought that, okay, now that Ben is back, and uh, we'll see next week, of course, that, okay, Ian is finally, like, I've been waiting for you, not just because of everything that's going on, but I need you to help rebuild this. Mm. So, I, yeah, but if they're, like, in a slag heap that was PQL LA, then where do they go from there? So I have hopes of seeing 
some old school stuff, I know that I'm probably going to be disappointed mm-hmm. about that. But a man can always dream. And if uh, there's going to be one spot that's probably not going to be nuked, it's probably not going to be the middle of a desert. Mm-hmm. You know, somewhere in an obscure corner of New Mexico. Yes. Just saying. Even though the mountains are a-glowing. It's about where they set off the first atomic bomb. I was going to say, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't necessarily say <laughs> if there's no nuclear things. Like, it's like the, middle of, the middle of nowhere New Mexico is actually a very likely place to set off a nuclear bomb. No, no, I'm saying if you were being mm. targeted um, in a nuclear war, you're going to – uh, be, I think, you know, at more danger of being hit in a city center or population center. True. So I don't think that they're going to carpet bomb, uh, you know, a, a, a desert area. Yeah. With nukes. I'm going to yes and you. I could see them using that area to test nukes, to develop also nukes. With, but I don't think it's going to be a high priority target in a nuclear war from an opposing if faction. This is a nuclear war where it's two countries trying to vie for control. But if it's something targeting the quantum leap project specifically maybe not or maybe so yeah Yeah. oh we've got so much (laughs) to consider before next week is yeah i just uh, is it supposed to be like an extra long episode i hope so i don't know i haven't heard anything matt have i I, you're always on the phone with dean what does he say i i've not asked he's not he's not said it is so i'm assuming it's just going to be the regular 42 minutes which is going to be packed well, and you know what? Um, our listeners will probably already know this because I have a feeling that we don't get the preview from next week, but it always runs over the closing credits. Um, it might say an extra, an extra long episode or, or whatever of, of, or double episode or, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure if, so. if it is the case that everyone will know by the time they're listening to this and we're yeah. just sounding dumb. I just really, yeah. it's just, yeah. I really, really, really don't want a cliffhanger. Uh, as the season finale, if, like I hate those in general, personally, mm-hmm. uh, I'm much more a fan of wrap up the season arc and tease the next season. That's um, yeah, that, uh, that's what I'm hoping for, and that's what I'm expecting. That's yeah, that's what I'm hoping for yeah, too. But if they, my yeah. only fear, no, go, no, go I ahead, was, I was just <laughs> harumphing at the idea of it. <laughs> my only fear is that. We've spun our wheels so much with the overall uh, plot that is driving Ben's leaps this season that we are just, as a matter of course, by necessity, going to get like a heap and helping of exposition from Ian in the first act to get everything up to speed. And it's going to be just explained in a very rote, pat way instead of with a sense of awe and discovery about okay what happened i really think we're just going to get a data dump and i i I hope i hope i'm wrong i hope i'm wrong but i'll be disappointed if we do i just can't see how we can avoid it at this point i would be i would be good if it's if it's or what i'm hoping for i guess i should say is um just connecting the dots like they've, they've laid all these various seeds you know with with Janice and Ziggy and Martinez, who I noticed like now that you know shit got real, they are no longer calling him Leaper X. Everybody calls him Martinez now. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. If they if if Ian is like okay, so here's here's the deal, and they reference stuff that we've already seen, that works for me. That's 
good if it if it's like a usual suspects moment where you know, when when Janice said this thing and when Jen noticed that thing and and during this leap Martinez did this and and you know during the the sketch was was Ian doing that like if 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 Ian weaves together all of those pieces all of those threads to explain the you know, fill in all the blanks that, that we've been missing. That should hopefully happen quickly. And then the rest of the episode is, you know, solving the problem. I hope. I hope. That, or the first two thirds of the episode, is Back to the Future 2 Quantum Leap style, which I would absolutely adore. <laughs> as, as in Ben leaping into. As his, in. The, there's a whole there's a whole story going on that's always been going on. You just didn't see it yet. We're going to see it uh, weave its way through oh, the various episodes of the season oh, throughout the course of the episode next you week. Know, yes, it would be cool if they just if the last episode of the season was Martinez's point of view. Yeah, if they just did like the you know just mm-hmm. you know back to back, they just showed quickly Martinez's leaps. I don't know six or seven leaps. Yeah. And the few times that he's encountered Ben and we see why he leapt, when he leapt, what he's trying to stop. And mm-hmm. in the in the last act of the show, they encounter each other in the quote unquote present. That is the nuclear future. That would be awesome. Yeah. I I feel like we could we could speculate for the next hour and a half. <laughs> on this and uh we've already run about an hour so um as fun as this is i I feel like um if we have um anything else to highlight about friendly skies uh that we haven't spoken about otherwise i'd like to get to some final thoughts i have one more thing that i'd I'd like to put to you chris specifically because i know this is your bag and i'm surprised you haven't picked up on this so challenge accepted ian has found uh someone on reddit who apparently has quite a good uh background in conspiracies i did see that yeah and and their handle is oswald was an alien 117 so i have it written down right here (laughs) i took that i took that as as a joke um I, i maybe oswald is a is a throwback for or a callback for um Lee Harvey Oswald, uh, the, the episode, not the man, or maybe both, but, um, Ian says something to the, to the effect, cause everybody poo-poos it, and, uh, they say something to the effect of, oh, you'd be surprised at how accurate some of these people are. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the writing staff maybe giving backdoor cred to some of the message threads on Reddit that are trying <laughs> to make speculations on what's happening this uh, season. So. Yeah. That's that's the way I read that. It's just a little in joke. Okay, so so you don't in in your personal investigations of uh, the JFK assassination, you're not you're not building Oswald being an alien into your head canon. No. Okay. So now this is, but but I can I can if we're going to keep it in the quantum leap universe. I mean, um, Sam almost got onto a spaceship at the end of Starlight Star Bright. Yep. So what's to say he doesn't leap onto that spaceship in the future into the body of an alien who then goes and impersonates Oswald to save Al from something? I don't know. So it could happen. I have a headache. You know, provided provided you take in your headcanon that Sam is still out there and Sam is still leaping and putting right what once went wrong, as as I do, um, then <laughs> sure. Chris, like, like magic, <laughs> I have a headache. 
<laughs> I don't understand any of how you just connected that, but well done. I'm a writer, baby. It's what I do. <laughs> All right, gang. I think on that note, we should get some final thoughts. And uh, I would like to start with you, John. Final thoughts about The Friendly Skies. Um, I, it's, it's hard for me to see now that we've expanded into predictions of the next episode. It's hard for me to, to pull it back and just talk about this one. But I, I did enjoy this episode. I, I feel like there's been, there's been um, a few episodes this season where there is a problem that Ben needs to solve and it seems fairly straightforward and he'll come up with a solution, but that solution doesn't solve the problem but it'll, but it'll, or the problem shifts and changes. And um, they've done a good job of keeping him having to actively fix something as opposed to, you know, working the whole episode and then it's fixed. He has, he has to keep, it's, it's like, it's like maintenance <laughs> and, until, until mm. the job is done as opposed to just, you know, one activity. It's a series of little steps that have to keep being adjusted. Um, this episode, I think was another example of that. And um, I thought, I thought, I thought it was. I thought they did. Uh, I thought they did great. I thought it was a, another fine episode, and I am very hopeful, but not entirely one thousand percent confident that the <laughs> that the finale will uh, will bring it in for a nice safe landing. <laughs> Ah, very good. <laughs> I very see what good. you did there. Yeah, follow that if you dare, man. You're welcome. No chance. No chance. Um, <laughs> so uh, we we kind of have an idea of the sort of tone that the finale is going to take, and so with that in mind, we can now look at the whole second half of the season. And I just want to throw back to something Dean said on Twitter, maybe six, seven episodes back, saying like, yeah, we, we've got a, a straight run of about nine episodes that are all very different and very strong in their own ways. And I, yeah, I know we've talked about some of the the slight incongruities in this episode, maybe. Um, but overall, I think this one stands up with all the others around it, that it is, it's, it was action packed. It, it moved so fast. I couldn't, I, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Mm-hmm. And there was some, there was some great comedy moments in it. We've talked about Mason. We didn't actually even talk uh, during the discussion about uh, Caitlin's comedy moments. There, there was some just fabulous bits in it. And, uh, yeah, overall really strong story and it worked despite the fact I was expecting it to be yeah, frustrating as we wait for the finale. Yeah. And frustrating, as I said up top, um, still pretty much encapsulates my feeling watching this good episode, fine episode. I was completely distracted by the fact that it wasn't um, leading to that finale in a more direct way, in a more overt way. And um, because of that, my enjoyment of the episode suffered. It's not a reflection on the episode itself. It's just the placement of Mm -hmm. the leap in the overall storyline. Which just, it completely took me out of it and I just could not get out of that headspace. So as much as I enjoyed everything that I saw, I'm still like, okay, but, but what about, but, but what about this? But, you know, so, and again, that Ziggy stuff really confused me. I 
was just joking with you about, you know, hey, I'm a writer. This is what I do. <laughs> Even I'm having a <laughs> lot of trouble reconciling some of the stuff we saw this week with Project Quantum Leap without a Ziggy. How does it work? I just don't get it. And um, I don't know if I ever will. If they explain it satisfactorily on screen, that's fine for me. But don't just give me hand wavy crap. I mean, that, uh, yeah. But that being said, I know that it's in, in purpose of the larger story. And I cannot wait for the denouement of this larger story. I think that, um, you know, I have not been this excited to see an episode of Quantum Leap since the end of uh, the last episode of Quantum Leap. So, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's hope it just turns out better. Yeah, I mean, so that's so that's saying something, and yeah, I can't wait to see how all of this uh, this storyline wraps up, if indeed it wraps up, and uh, yeah, and oof, 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 such good stuff to come. So I'm excited, I'm frustrated, I'm confused, I, I'm having all the emotions, but uh, you guys don't need to worry about that because we are putting this discussion of the friendly skies in the books. But don't go anywhere because, like last time, I am going to skip the break. And we are going to go right to our interview with Davida Williams, who played Leslie in this episode. Leslie, the hijacker. So, um, Davida, take it away. Hi, this is Matt. Uh, I'm here with Albie and Chris. And today on the podcast, we have a very special guest with us. Uh, we have joining us Davida Williams, who played Leslie in the latest episode of Quantum Leap. Davida, welcome to yes. the show. Hello. How are you guys? Uh, we're great. We're very happy you could join us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so before we talk about your time on Quantum Leap, and we've just seen the episode, we're, we're super excited about it, so we, we want to delve into that as soon as possible. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got started in acting, a bit about your background? Yeah, so I grew up in Los Angeles, and I you know, kind of have a family of artists. My dad was a musician. He played the guitar for Michael Jackson for about 30 years and wow. Madonna for years. And um, yeah, I always wanted to be in entertainment, just not in that capacity, not in music. I have a little sister who's a musician. Um, so I started auditioning very young and I started doing sitcoms. I did Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Sister, Sister and all those shows. And then during high school, I did a Disney show called Lizzie McGuire. And yeah, I've been working ever since. Well, so um, a child star and not, not <laughs> everyone who, um, who starts off in the business that young sticks with it. For you, was was there ever any doubt when you when you kind of grew up? Did you think maybe I'll shift somewhere else? Yeah, I definitely took breaks um, after I graduated high school and stopped. Lizzie McGuire was done. I took a break for a couple of years. I worked at an agency, a modeling agency, because I thought maybe mm -hmm. you know I wanted to be on the other side. And then I realized I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've definitely taken breaks and and uh tried different things but then i just always end up back back where it all started yeah um so so what's um what settled you back into acting after your after your break doing modeling what's um talk us through kind of well i wasn't actually a model i was i was a modeling oh. agent like a junior agent okay. and it was just it was it's a lot of work. I have the utmost respect for agents and managers and yeah, it's a lot. Um, but then I remember I heard about an audition 
for a uh, soap opera and I hadn't auditioned in like two years. And I was like, you know what, let me just try. So I took the train to Brooklyn and I auditioned for it and I ended up booking it. So then I just quit my job and started a soap opera. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I got back. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it, right? Yeah. yeah. I booked some work. I'm back yeah. in. <laughs> I was like, you make it sound so easy. And it really, it's, it, I know that did sound really easy saying that, but I, it, it's definitely not. It's definitely a lot harder than that, but it just happened to be the right role and the right situation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So um, how did uh, that lead to you uh, getting the role on Quantum Leap? Uh, that was a tape. That was one of, I don't know if you know how the audition go now we don't really do a lot of in-person auditions you have to send in a tape to casting directors and all of that and that was one of my first tapes of the year um and then I taped it I sent it in and you kind of just have to send those things in and forget about them because you never know if you're going to hear anything and um and then like a week and a half later my manager called and was like you got it so it was exciting it's such a great show to be a part of so and what what was the turnaround like after you'd after you'd heard that great news that you'd you landed the role? Was it straight into filming? It was pretty quick. Their their episodes are about eight days long, mm-hmm. which um, a lot of shows are five days, but theirs are a bit longer. So it was pretty quick because I had to you have to COVID test now, and I had to do a fitting, mm-hmm. and um, I got to try on all these really cool clothes from the seventies that they found, which was fun. Uh, even though we only ended up using one outfit, but yeah, I got to try on some really cool stuff. So yeah, it was, it was straight to um, hair and makeup test as well uh, mm-hmm. before I shot and then, yeah. And then shooting. Awesome. Did, did you have much say in the final choice of the, the costume? You said you, you tried on a few different outfits. <laughs> yeah. A few different things. I didn't really, um, you never, you don't have that much control, especially as a guest star, but I loved so many of the things that I tried on. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't really care what they chose and they ended up picking <laughs> one of my favorites anyway. So yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that it wasn't such a flamboyant costume, but that wouldn't have fit the character anyway, because mm-hmm. Leslie was not only a police officer, but she was also trying to avoid attention yes. until the right moment. So. Yes. Yeah, so it wasn't too so, over the top seventies. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, I have to assume that 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 was all a giant set. Um, it looked like it was very expansive. It, it, I know that part of the episode they were trying to like bring you back to the heyday of flying, in the sense where you had these huge jumbo jets that had a couple of floors that had all of the, you know, the cocktails and, and the food and, and everything. And I mean, what, what was it like stepping stepping onto that set? Because it, it seemed so expansive on camera. It was so cool. I it was it was really cool. I took a lot of behind the scenes videos of the the plane itself because it was awesome. I got to I was sitting in the cockpit for a few scenes and I was like is this a real plane? And they were like, yep, we're using it. They were using like actual plane parts. Um, so that was, it was really cool. I've never actually shot on a plane and I wasn't aware of how they do those kinds of things. And it was cool. It had multiple levels um, and, you know, first class section and cocktail area. And I mean, I wasn't around for those I don't think I've been on a plane like that. So it was, I mean, I'm sure they, you know, exist, but I like, I've never been on a plane that large. It was cool. 
it's safe to say that uh, I don't think any of us on this panel have been on a plane that long. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would kind of make me a little bit nervous, I think. Just, uh, I don't know how planes work, but having that much metal in the air is just, I don't know how yeah. safe I feel. <laughs> so it was uh, a plane in a building? Is that is that how that worked? Or was it... Z- yeah. They film in a, in a on a lot. And so it was in one of the big sound stages and they just like rebuilt this plane and then yeah we shot in in it it was really really cool wow wow so everything was yeah it was literally on this one they actually they were like you're really lucky because a lot of times we go on location and we're all over the place filming um and we just got back from location Mm -hmm. but my entire episode was literally just in this plane so i just tried to go to one place every day yeah um, you're part of the episode. Uh, one of the main parts of the episode is the reveal that you're one of the hijackers. So, um, was it difficult to play like, um, not a hijacker that was a hijacker in the first half? And, and was that different from playing the hijacker in the second half? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It was fun. I mean, the director, her name is Linda Mendoza. She was awesome. And she really wanted to make sure that we, I was like, am I playing this kind of mysterious? And she was like, no, we don't want to give anything away so you know I was just trying to really be kind of incognito in the beginning and then you know I reveal my true motives kind of later on <laughs> um so yeah I was just trying to not give anything away at the beginning did you have any weapons training for that uh scene where you pull the gun on uh Ben so I have never really had any weapons training. Um, Caitlin, she was so helpful because, you know, she has this background, this army background. And, and I'm, I'm very hesitant about firearms on set just because I had myself had never done it. And also mistakes happen. And I, you know, I didn't want anything to happen, but she was very, very helpful in, before we shot every single time they do safety testing and all of that kind of stuff. And she wanted to look inside the gun every single time. And, you know, and I learned a lot because there's no real, they don't really teach you. They don't really teach actors beforehand. So you kind of are like thrown into it. And um, so it was really nice to have her there and have her knowledge. Cause she, she knows. So tell us a bit about that, that experience on set. You said that you were working with Caitlin a little bit behind the scenes, but, um, you know, give, give us a little bit more about uh, working with, with Ray and um, sort of the, the, the general atmosphere, because it's for, for this um, iteration of Quantum Leap, it's, it's unique to the series. It's the first time they've ever done almost like a bottle show entirely mm-hmm. on such a small stage, mm-hmm. you know, we were just maybe three sets in this one yet, you know, you, you felt, it felt authentic. So I just want to know about sort of the process that went into the shooting and then maybe describe some of that stuff for us. Um, well, this, the vibe of the set is so it's awesome. Everyone is so nice and friendly and um, like the crew and the cast, I can't say enough good things about them. And a lot of times, especially when you come in as a guest star, you're, it can be nerve wracking because you don't know anybody and everybody's already established and they have these relationships, but Raymond is amazing. Kaylin's amazing. Everybody on that show is so cool. Um, and makeup and hair and all of that. But, um, filming itself was actually like 
really efficient. I never waited around. I feel like on every set, you're always, you know, sitting around waiting for hours until you go. But that was also a testament to Linda Mendoza, the director. She knows what she wants. And we kind of went in, did a couple times, moved on. She was, she was very direct and she knew what she wanted. Um, so, you know, they were long, they were the 12 hour days, like normal, but she, she got it. She pumped it out. We were never over time or any of that. I had a question. Um, you, you have a kissing scene in this episode with Bart, the, the guy who plays the other hijacker, uh, the co-pilot of, yes. of in, in the show. Uh, with all the COVID protocols, has that changed things like uh, kissing scenes? Is there a special preparing you have to do? or You have to do a COVID test like once every four days or something like that. It's like three or four days. And then if you have something like that, you have to do it again that morning before it happens. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the protocol has changed a bit. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, could I could I just uh, ask you about something else? I rewatched uh, your episode of Deep Space Nine this morning. Uh, do you have any memory of oh that? <laughs> Children of Time. I was going to go. I got there really too. excited oh when I looked at the segue at some and point. saw Deep Space Nine. You know how? You know. Do you, do you have any memory so of that? Funny. I was. You know, it's so funny. I do have a little bit of memory, and I had a girl named Shira that was in the episode, and we stayed in touch, and um. She, it was, I was so young that I didn't understand how cool that job was. You know what I mean? Like it's such a, I mean, Star Trek, it's, it's crazy to be a part of something like that. Um, but I did think it was really cool because I had this, you know, that red jumpsuit and then I had those spots that they had to draw all over my face. And I remember always, I'd never had any kind of makeup like that done to me. So I remember being that age and being like, this is kind of cool. It's like Halloween a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but that was, yeah, it was pretty awesome to be out, just be on that set and get to kind of, you know, be an alien essentially. And <laughs> um, yeah, it was fun. Long time ago though. Long, long, time, long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you haven't figured it out, we're not only, you know, Quantum Leap fans, but we're three huge Star Trek fans, too. Yeah. So there's no way you're getting out of the interview Take without that asking about DS9. <laughs> Tell us everything you can remember about DS9. Yeah, I wish I remembered, I wish I remembered more, but I did remember definitely, like, the, the spots and the red outfit, mm -hmm. and yeah, it was cool. Mm -hmm. It was pretty cool. It's cool. Yeah. Really cool. Really cool. So, I mean, I mean, um, can you you had a a bunch of scenes with with Ray in this one? Can you talk about working with Raymond Lee? Oh, he's so nice. He's just the kindest person, and um, I think you know he's part of the reason why that set is so relaxed because you kind of, the lead kind of sets the tone for the show and how people what people can get away with essentially and mistreatment and things like that. So everyone's just so nice. And um, yeah, he's just, he's really cool and he's really easy to talk to. And we talked about his kids and his family and yeah, he's just like a family guy. We kind of live near each other. Um, yeah. It, it was really, I'm really glad that I got to work with him. I, I'm really glad he's, ta he's also very talented. So that too. Did anything change from when you got the trips? So when you started filming? No, I think the story was pretty much the same. There were a couple of lines that they like changed a little bit or, you know, they would just tweak a couple words here and there. But for the most part, the tape that I did uh, ultimately was the character and 
the thing, the audition that I did ultimately was what I was doing on screen. It was, it was pretty similar. Yeah. I'm interested in understanding more about the the atmosphere on the set um, because you, you talked about it being kind of a, a well-oiled machine, um, if I can paraphrase yeah. you. Um, and it, it, everything seemed to be very, very smooth and efficient. It, it felt watching it like a very – it was a very high-energy episode. It, it was one of those episodes that never – it didn't let up. It, it didn't let you breathe. We're also as fans watching it, uh, getting ready for the season finale as well. So it's that that just yeah. ups the stakes. Was was there any feeling of that on set, or how did that translate to the feelings on set? Were, was there a kind of a, a feeling of energy there along with that efficiency? There, there was. Um, just, I mean, there were so many scenes that we're so fun and so high energy. I, I mean, when the, we get smoke bombed in the cockpit and we're like choking and banging on the door there, it was a lot of high energy. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of, of also, Oh, there was, there's also this part where, you know, you see a lot of turbulence happening on the flight. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, that was just us kind of like shaking in our seats. Like <laughs> by our, we, we kind of just did that ourselves. There was no actual, nothing was actually shaking. So um, I'm glad you felt that it was such high energy and high stakes. Cause I was like, I hope this looks okay. I'm kind of just <laughs> shaking. I, in my, I, <laughs> I don't know about the guys. I assume that was on gimbals or something, but was that the old fashioned, you shake around the camera shakes around and yeah, yeah. the I old mean, Star the, Trek even like method. The, the uh, the kid sitting next to me, who's the, you know, the, the airline owner's son, he was like yeah. shaking his knees under the table, like the little mm -hmm. table on his seat. And he was making it and it was making everything shake. So it was just like it was just us <laughs> it was kind of faking that. <laughs> and I was holding oh, champagne, lovely. just going like this. Yeah. And, yeah. So I'm glad it looked all it looked realistic because I've never done anything that high stakes before an action and I'd never held a firearm in, in anything before I did a lot of Disney. So, so this yeah. was like a, a first, a first of a lot of things for me. So I'm glad that it felt the way it was supposed to feel, you know, mm -hmm. it, it was, it was 45 minutes or 42 minutes of sort of nonstop edge of seat. Okay. Good. Almost <laughs> praying for it to just, pause and breathe but at the same time okay. not um, <laughs> good it, good good i'm glad and then the end credits happen mm -hmm. oh my god i'm glad I, I, I can't i haven't again i haven't even seen it but i'm excited i'm really excited was the smoke in the cockpit was that all in post or was there actually like some smoke on the day no they they smoked us out <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean it's like that you know that dry ice or whatever it is so it wasn't actual smoke but I, w I remember texting my mom really excited about it I was like we're about to get smoke bombed mom <laughs> it was fun it's just you know stuff that I'd never experienced before so so now that you have quantum leap in your re rear view mirror um where can uh our listeners uh be seeing you next do you have any up upcoming projects um uh, you know just Right now, last week, actually, with one of my co-stars from Lizzie McGuire, we launched a podcast where we go through the episodes and we talk about the episodes. It's called Living Lizzie, a very McGuire podcast. Um, so I think, the, uh, <laughs> I think the first three episodes are out now. They come out every Friday um, and they're on 
you know, Apple and Spotify and wherever podcasts are. And yeah, and just, I'm just Mm -hmm. sending in lots of tapes and, you know, seeing what works. (laughs) I don't know. Episode by episode podcasts, it'll never take off. It is. Fan casts as well. <laughs> I mean, people that just talk about their favorite shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's an, oh, I was, so, at yeah. first, I was like, wait, is he being sarcastic? Yeah, obviously. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, a, there's a couple of them that, I mean, people, people like them. And I actually hadn't really yeah. heard of them. I'm not a big listener of podcasts. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. And then suddenly I'm hearing uh-huh. about all of these show podcasts of these, like, yeah either current shows or old shows and you're talking about the episodes. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's been fun. I hadn't seen Jake Thomas, who's my co-star. I hadn't seen him in person in years. So we got together and it was, it was good. It was fun. Yeah. You're on the leading edge of a lot of the, uh, the fan casts because it seems to me that's uh, the, the newest trend is getting the people who are actually mm-hmm. in the show coming back so many years later mm-hmm. to talk about the show. I think the, um, one of the top podcasts now is pod meets world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's got three of the main casts from boy meets world. So okay. I mean, you're, you're sort of in good, you're on, on the leading edge there okay, when it comes good. to fan casts. So yeah, that's, yeah, uh, we, we, we started it not really, you know, we're like, if this works great, if it doesn't, you know, but we've mm. gotten a, a great response, it seems on social media and stuff. So, and it's been fun, you know, a, a lot of people still like Lizzie McGuire. I was uh, uh, pleasantly surprised watching how I met your father and they used a flashback to Lizzie McGuire for that show too, because it showed Hillary Duff younger. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's what that's what Jake was telling me is that they yeah. they refer back to her um, like Lizzie days, which is that's cool. Yeah, yeah so that'd be cool. So I, I know Albie is not going to ask because he probably doesn't want to intrude, but um, we have a resident huge Michael Jackson fan. Oh, my gosh. Today. <laughs> yeah. And no I'm idea. sure that he would love to hear any MJ stories you might have to give considering oh, your history yeah. or your yeah. dad's history. Yeah, I guess. you mentioned both, yeah, my, it's, both it's, my favorite artists growing up. So <laughs> Madonna and Michael Jackson. <laughs> Madonna. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean – both of those were my two first concerts. I was like, baby, baby, you know, Michael holding me backstage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just such a big part of my childhood because you know, it was my dad's job for 30 years and they became really close. And and I'm still, you know, I'm close with a lot of the nieces and the nephews and because um, they were all close with my dad as well. And um, But yeah, I just remember like not even really knowing how cool it was. I remember I invited a bunch of my girlfriends and and guy friends actually one year, I think I was like 12, 13 to Neverland for my birthday. And we like slept there and stuff. And um, we had our own little like cabins and things. And we did all the rides and we had, I had this, like, there were all these golf carts you'd drive around that were looked like escalades and things and mm-hmm. I didn't have a license. I was very little and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um and yeah and I like so I, I knew that it was fun going on rides and seeing all the animals, but I don't think I understood like the scope of it until I got older. One of my friends was like, Remember you took me to Neverland? <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I guess we did <laughs> we did do that. Yeah, but my we, my dad would take me to Neverland all the time. Um you know, on the weekend or whatever. It was like a two-hour drive from LA. And so those those were my, I think my fondest memories was just like having an amusement park to yourself, basically. (laughs) 
it's pretty crazy to think about. <laughs> what a way to grow up. That's crazy. I know. I know. I know. It really is. It is strange to like say it out loud and be like, that was, yeah, that was my childhood. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's still, it is, I'm, I'm still, you know, a huge fan too. There's not, I, I think I'm so jaded too, because you go to concerts now and you're like, oh, well, this, <laughs> this isn't like the concerts I'm used to going to, you know, with all the like pyro and the, yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was, it was good times. Good times. Yeah. Traveling around to the biggest acts in, in, in the world. At the yeah. Time. So, yeah. That was the other so. thing that was cool is I got to do a lot of traveling when I was little to go visit my dad. So that was, mm. that was cool. What was it like working with that young actor that your character was bodyguarding? Oh, he was so great. Um, he was awesome. He is a college student at Duke. Mm. He was extremely smart. He was a history major. And I remember asking him, we were sitting next to each other on the plane. And I remember like, we'd have a lot of, we'd have some time to talk. And I remember asking like, how do you do acting tapes in college like who tapes you who reads with you who's like and he's like mm. it's very difficult to find like a college kid who just wants to come to my dorm and tape me and read and stuff but he gets it done and so um, he, you know he was he was really he was like extremely smart and I think he was um also a child star he was on a, Nick, a Nickelodeon show oh, wow. um for a while yeah and then he's like taken a little break for college, but clearly he, he missed a little bit to come back here and do quantum leap. Hmm. Yeah, he was great. Well, I mean, get, getting to, to quantum leap, uh, this is a question we usually ask a lot earlier in the interview, but uh, I know that you were globetrotting with the biggest acts in the world in the 80s <laughs> and the 90s, but did, were you familiar with the original quantum leap? Uh, did you have any history with the original series? I didn't. I didn't at all. I knew that this was a remake, um, but I, I hadn't, watched it you know and I kind of similar to the Star Trek thing mm -hmm. I, I I think that's the genre that's just I've never gotten into not that I don't like it I've just actually never seen any of it and like mm -hmm. the sci-fi shows and things so maybe I should start doing that since I've been involved in all this sci-fi <laughs> Well, we can tell you this. You are on a really good episode of Quantum Leap, and you're on a really good episode of DS9. Yeah. So Thank that's you. a good place to yeah. start. Thank you. Yeah. The universe is yeah, telling you something. I'm, I'm, yeah, they are. I am excited to watch, though. I'm really excited. Do you have special plans for watching the episode uh, tomorrow night, I guess, this time? Pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was possibly – my mom is in town. She lives on the East Coast usually. Um, so we were thinking I'd get together with my mom and my sister to watch it, which would awesome. be nice. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. And I love that you guys get it early. That's so, mm -hmm. that's so great. <laughs> we love it too. <laughs> it's, it's very useful. <laughs> well, this uh, interview has taken us down some routes that I've got to admit I was not expecting. We've, we've talked about so many different things. Um, Davida, it's been so much fun having you on the show. Um, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully the fans will uh, seek out your podcast. And I know you said you're sending off a lot of tapes at the moment. So hopefully we'll see you in some more stuff later this year. But for now, um, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. 
I know I say this after all our interviews because they're always so much fun, but th- this one was just this was an especially um, this was an special pleasure. Uh, just I think for the fact that there were so many surprises that came out, I was not expecting to be talking about Michael Jackson tonight. Put it that way. <laughs> right? Wasn't that something else? Yeah. yeah so it's, she I mean, brought some great stories, which was which was just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Davida, thank you so much for being on the show. You know, it's it's funny. I feel like um, Matt, you have been carrying the standard for the interviews uh, along with Albie this entire season, and I haven't been able to sit in on most of them. But um, man, I just thank you again for just the depth and the breadth of the interviews we've been getting this whole season. And uh, you know, it's it's when I can do it, it's delightful. And Davida uh, is just another example of uh, just. You know, the value that talking to everybody brings. I can't imagine what you're going to be doing for Beyond the Mirror Image after this. It's just you have too much information yeah. at this <laughs> point. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that book's getting big. But it, it, it says a lot for the show, I think, that there's so many so many nice people willing to come on this podcast and talk about their experiences and, and, and talk about their experiences in such a positive way. So, yeah. Well, speaking of that... Um, should we tease this? I mean, I think it's pretty much a done deal, so we can we can probably let people know uh, what's happening next week because we got some really big plans. Um, the return of uh, some people we've already spoken to sort of towards the beginning of the season. Um, who uh, do we have? We have Nanrissa. Yes. Ooh. We have Caitlin. Ooh. Yes. We have Raymond. Wow. Yes. All together? Uh, hopefully, we're we're still. I, I've li- I, there's been times during this very podcast recording I've muted my mic because I've been very quickly typing just to try and arrange calendars. But yes, um, it, it looks like we're going to have all three of those together. Possibly uh, Georgina Riley on a separate interview. Um, I was really hoping to get everyone together, but the timing I don't think is quite going to work out. Uh, Dean is hoping to drop by. Um, we'll see. And uh, I think we should also have an interview with Drew Lindo soon as well, but that that will definitely be a separate one. So we've got a lot coming up uh, next week. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be one packed weekend, and uh, we're gonna have so much more content for you guys to talk about. And it's gonna be great to touch base with the main cast again because when we first discussed the series with them, they couldn't say a word, and <laughs> yes. I don't think that they knew where it was gonna end up. To be honest with you, the scripts hadn't even been written yet, so they might have had a vague idea, but. Uh, this is what we said we would do. Come on, come on back at the end so we can talk about it all. And uh, good to their word. They said, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So it's going to be so great touching base with them again. And uh, I'm so appreciative of just the access that NBC and Dean have granted us to the, the cast and the crew. And it's it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think, Matt, that we would be here? No. Oh, goodness, no. I mean, we this, right? <laughs> like, w- when this was announced, I remember me and you and Alison and Albie having some serious discussions about, okay, but let's assume worst case scenario, we're, we're just going to be following up the episodes a few days later, talking about them, and that's, that's about it. Um, and then, and things have just kept getting better and better. We got access to the screeners. We started getting access to the cast. It's, it's been a, a roller coaster of a year. Um, I feel, very lucky. 
Yeah, I mean, blessed, blessed, and it's gonna be, it's just gonna be a hoot, just wrapping everything up with with all of them, so that you have all of that to look forward to, dear listeners. Um, but uh, you know, we're not done with this show quite yet. Um, we do have some feedback. I think it was pretty interesting. It was a uh, message that I got on the Patreon from our longtime producer Charles Allen Gossard. He's been our resident historian. Um, he wrote in response to uh, Ben interrupted. He had uh, told me that um, lobotomies actually were commonly used to mm. calm down women who were deemed hysterical. It, it was a very uh, a fairly common practice. But uh, aside from that, he had some other things that he wrote, and I want to read them to you here. Uh, we'll do our round robin. It'll be me and then Matt and then John. All right. So Charles writes, just finished watching the latest episode. I was shocked by the ending. This is when Martina stabs, stabs Ben in the neck. I was shocked by the ending. The plot has echoes of not just shock theater, but of starlight, star bright, where Sam is drugged and just like Ben starts revealing details of quantum leap. Woo, that's how Oswald became an alien. Will we now find out the truth of the evil leapers? Martinez is an interesting case study. Renee Coleman's Aaliyah was revealed to be an unwilling possible test subject. She was not the highly trained soldier that Martinez is. She killed people believing that ruining people's lives could get her home. Martinez is a soldier willing to kill because that's what he's trained to do. There is no shaking gun. Killing Addison for him would not be a question of why, but of when. And Ziggy being the mole, the traitor... What if Ziggy was Lothos all along, and that computer has been playing the long game, hiding in plain sight until an exact moment to strike? That red light reveal at the end had a real Hal 9000 feel about it. <laughs> Take care, <Whoa>. Charles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had we had mentioned that last week. Anyway, I, I thought that maybe this was Lothos playing a long game. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about, but... Um, when I was doing the mashup for the show last week, again, another one that we watched so quickly, I mean, and I had mentioned it earlier in this episode, I don't think Martinez is an evil leaper. I think that was just another red herring because Janice said his leaps work exactly the same way as Ben's. He has to do something. He has to put right what once went wrong. Otherwise, he won't leap. So, again, mm. Martinez is obviously leaping from some version of Ziggy unless unless she's lying. So I don't know. I, I don't think she's lying. I think Martinez is using Ziggy. I guess my I have a few questions, but I guess the <laughs> the bigger one in this context, in this conversation, uh when she says Ziggy is the mole, does that mean Martinez and whoever he's working for is accessing Ziggy's data? and using it for their purposes? Or do they mean that Ziggy herself is actively helping Martinez more than she is helping Ben? I, th I think it has to be that for, because otherwise it, it's going to be, it's almost going to feel like a bait and switch that a mole has a very, it's, it's very intentional. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, if this turns out to be some kind of hack or something like that, it's just, that's not, that's not the same. Yeah, she might as yeah. well have just said Ziggy's and, been hacked, and not by me. <laughs> and I have a feeling that yeah, we're going to have another point of view, not just uh, Ian's and not just Martinez's, but I think that maybe we'll get a POV of Ziggy here because Ziggy is seeing all the possible futures, all the possible timelines. Maybe she's orchestrating this in this way for a very specific reason. 
And maybe this is the only way it can play out for everything to come out right. That would end. be that would be great. I don't know. Um, it would be very uh, Avengers. I was about but, to say. Yeah. I know this is a Star Trek heavy show, but I, I'm going to reference another excellent sci-fi series of the past 20 years, Person of Interest. Um, and the plot was basically this supercomputer can predict um, likely outcomes. And it would send send a team. It sounds more elaborate. It's basically this one guy. <laughs> With this one guy to mm-hmm. kind of stop these uh, bad um, things from happening. And there was one episode where you got to see the computer's point of view as it ran through the various possible futures and uh, predicted what it should instruct the it does become a team later. What in, what it instructs the team to do. Uh, that's actually, you guys should watch Person of Interest. It's fantastic. Sounds mm, okay. <laughs> Gotcha. All right. Well, um, yeah, all this, again, remains to be seen, but I'm just loving all of this conversation fodder that we have going here. Thank you, Charles, for reaching out, for um, contributing, and for your continued support. If you out there would like to be like Charles, there are many ways that you can reach us here at the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can write us a letter at P.O. Box 542. Bayport, New York, 11705. You can reach us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can also get us on Instagram at quantumleappodcast and Twitter at quantumleappod. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash thequantumleappodcast. And you can always support us on Patreon like Charles at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast just remember we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the quantum leap podcast and um the quantum leap podcast after show is also upcoming on the youtube channel matt we have the video version of the interview with davida correct and we have maybe another interview coming online yeah, so we're trying to arrange uh, one with Bart Johnson. Uh, he's expressed an interest. We're just trying to iron out the times. So uh, hopefully that will come later this week, hopefully in time for the after show. But if not, that will be separately on our YouTube channel. Um, one way or the other, so, we'll get yep. that out there. So, uh, as always, more great content on the YouTube channel along with the after show with Albie and Hayden. And I don't know who their guest is this week. I don't know if they know, but uh, <laughs> I know Albie and he's uh, he's always got a plan. He's the man with the plan. So, there will be another after show out. And uh, speaking of the after show crew, um, next week we are also going to be joining forces once again to discuss the season finale. So just like we did for the SOS episode. So stay tuned for that. I can't wait to discuss this 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 whole thing with everybody, with the whole crew. It's going to be terrific. It is. It's going to be great. Yeah. So, wow. Um, uh, but speaking of that next episode that we're going to be discussing, Matt, tell us what's coming up next. Yeah. Next episode is Judgment Day.
nuclear winter. Hi, Ben. I've been waiting for you. For a long time. Oh my god. I'm in the future. Ben's next leap takes him closer to home than he ever expected. The team faces the ultimate showdown with Leaper X as they battle for the future of the Quantum Leap project and their lives. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. So, well, John, thank you so much for joining us on, on this episode. It was great to finally have you on the show proper uh, for uh, an episode discussion and not just for your acting abilities. Again, <laughs> go back and listen to that Leap Day special. Air quotes. Air quotes <laughs> on acting. That's sure. Yeah. Uh, please, once again, tell everybody where they can find you. You can do a search in your podcatcher or wrist on uh, Google for Captain Game Show. Game Show is one word. It is a trivia wordplay podcast on the Infinite Potato Alliance podcast network. Um, again, Chris is a regular guest. Um, I would describe it more, but I pretty much make it up every time. <laughs> <laughs> that you do. <laughs> And it's always a good time. So, yeah, everybody, check out John's show. Check out our show next week. I can't wait to talk to you all about this final episode of the first season of the freaking Quantum Leap reboot. Uh, mind blown. Until wow. then, I have been Christopher D. Philippus. I've been Matt Dale. And I've been a very grateful to participate, John Irons. And we'll see you next time in the future. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Harold Sullivan, Glenda Palma, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap Podcast is a Baron Space production.